Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. The NFL looks at the bowl system and goes, look at how much money these neutral site guys are making by selling sponsorships to the game and controlling the luxury boxes and suites and the tickets and all the thing. We can centralize that and do it. SI's Ross Dellinger. I guess the NFL, Dan, wants them some uh, some red, big red blazers and orange blazers and, and the maroon blazers. They want these bowl blazers, baby. Get the bowl blazers on. We're ready to go. And SI's Pat Forty. These are the deals that are out there. Uh, Ross and I both were a little bit dubious whether that's ever going to work, whether people are going to cooperate with that. But I, I just think we would all be in a much better place if we had less folklore and more fact involved with this. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Uh, story of January remains the recruitment of Jaden Rashada, the uh, quarterback from Pittsburgh. California, who uh, originally committed to the University of Miami in Florida, which everyone thought was this big uh, NIL deal, but also could have been Mario Cristobal working his old contacts in California. Then he bailed out on that and switched to the University of Florida in what was uh, after, which was a was a huge flip for the Gators, and obviously got some intense in-state recruiting battles even let's get in from uh, florida then there was like kind of su- suggested there were some issues there was a delay of his signing of the nil i think on signing day and and uh soon enough in the last couple weeks uh, as most people here know he has uh backed off and trying to get out of his nil at florida because his uh reported deal with the gator collective has uh fallen apart the, the collective wants to terminate the deal uh, all sorts of different stuff's going on. Now, the deal was a rumored or reported up to $13 million. Now, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong on any of this. I've been told it is, that was a like over five years. It was heavily incentivized. You win a national title or win the Heisman. You know, that's where the money is. It's not a guy just, someone just writing a check for $13 million. It, it included like in-kind value, you know, will increase your marketability, your your social media followers, things that have value that you'll get. So 13 is a little 
little much, but it is a lot of money here, and it's eye-popping. It's an eye-popping number. It's probably not that much. Well, whatever happened, Florida isn't giving them $13 million. Whatever confusion, whoever backed out of what, I imagine there might be. We may find out in a lawsuit. We may not. Who knows? The Rashadas just may move on. But he is out at Florida. Uh, this weekend he visited, or last weekend he visited Arizona State. He is expected to take a visit to TCU. Colorado and Coach Prime, of course, have got, they got involved. Washington and Cal also in the mix. Uh, we'll see where he ends up. So we've discussed this before and the craziness, but I want to just dig into where we are right now with the Jaden Rashada issue because in college athletics, uh, anybody I speak to, it's like topic one. What's up with this? Because it's just, uh, it's kind of the harbinger of just, I mean, it just opens up a million issues for the school, for Billy Napier and the Gator coaching staff, for the future of NIL, for transparency, for all sorts of different things. Pat, what are you hearing? What are your thoughts on the Rashada recruitment? that continues. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a wild mess. That's for sure. And I think it illustrates a couple significant kind of flaws with the system here. You know, one, and we've, we've talked about this. Hey, you know what I mean? If you can get the best deal you can fine, but commoditizing your kid as a recruit can have some drawbacks to it. Two, you're entering into a marketplace that is New, unpredictable, and unreliable. I don't know whether there's enough of a track record to prove that people are going to pay what they may say they're going to pay. Three, as I saw Jeremiah Dickey, the athletic director for Boise State, put it, not related to this, but related to NIL and collective deals in general, everyone's lying. So we don't really have a very good idea what the actual market is and what it should be for players. Four, you know, the, the lack of communication between universities and their collectives can lead to these sort of things where a collective says, yeah, hey, we can do this and this. And school's like, what? Oh, we, ha we have no idea what they can do or can't do. And we end up getting lumped in with that. And then five, you know, just to your point, Dan, you mentioned transparency. It would just be, I you know, really helpful if there were some sort of database of what these deals really are so the schools would know the players would know and the public would know instead of dealing in myth and rumor and exaggeration there is I'd, Ross and I talked a little bit about this offline uh, last week you know there's a, a cooperative agreement between some group and the Cronkite Journalism School at Arizona State to try to gather this information and publish it as a database. I think not not without not with like the specifics of this guy is getting this, but these are the deals that are out there. Uh, Ross and I both were a little bit dubious whether that's ever going to work, whether people are going to cooperate with that. But I, I just think we would all be in a much better place if we had less folklore and more fact involved with this. It, we talked about this quite a bit over the last year and a half of the NIL era is, you know, what to believe with, with some of the numbers and the figures and stuff like, like uh, you mentioned the Boise state athletic director saying that it's, it's tough to, to really believe anything at all when it comes to these figures. Cause we don't have a database uh, or anything. We don't have contracts that are released or anything like that. Uh, you know, Pat, to your point about, about that database, which a lot of athletic administrators want to see, to pool NIL deals and maybe uncover 
you know, somewhat uncover fair market value or determine it in some way, and they're hoping some kind of database does. You know, the NCA was about to institute that a year and a half ago, right before, you know, July 1 hit of 2021, and the NIL era began. And then there were privacy concerns, you know, over pooling the private information, contract information of, of athletes, and, and that was a real legitimate concern. And so they pulled it. And I don't know if we're ever going to see some kind of global database uh, without some kind of congressional bill. I, I don't think that's um, that's possible. Uh, I mean, Pat laid out the five or six things that are an issue right now with, with NIL, and there are probably five or 10 or 15 more. I mean, there there's it, it's um, it's an environment that we're not necessarily used to. It's an environment that, you know, administrators would classify as as chaos or chaotic and you know i i think that uh we're probably going to see more of these these deals uh with the jaden rashad and there's probably been a lot more of them previously just not not made public uh there's been a lot of uh broken promises from collectives to to athletes and like i said i i think you'll see more trickle out over the next few months maybe not all of them being made made public but privately there's a lot of that there's a lot of that going on and i mean there's two collectives that completely have folded uh, you know at different schools so you know it's it's an issue and and i think kids and players probably need to um in their families probably need to know going in not to believe or expect everything and not to put all your eggs so to speak in the nil basket like you know go to a school for other reasons, which is which is happening. I think the, the most part, it's, it is happening. Kids are not just going to a school for NIL. It's, it's one of the many determining factors. Yeah, so a few thoughts on that. So look, I'm a free market guy, anti-regulation generally and, and everything. So I look at this a little different than I understand why college administrators and coaches would want some transparency or some organization. If I was them, that's what I would want also. I'm not them. So your issue is you have, let's just start with this. Like the, the Florida Collective, $13 million. The Flo there's no way there's $13 million in the Florida Collective. Right. Like total. Right. They might have promises over the, hey, I'll give you a hundred grand each year yeah. for the next Pledges. five years pledges mm -hmm. but yeah. even then there's not 13 million there might not be four million dollars there may not be two million dollars in there okay and so it's like, like remember the old usfl okay they would try to sign these players out of like really jim kelly herschel walker right doug flutie all these guys went and steve young was he in there all the yeah, like yeah, a lot of good players mm-hmm and you go, hey, I just signed a $50 million contract with the USFL. Yeah, well, the thing's going to be bankrupt in three years. Who gives, like, I got a 10-year right. deal. So then uh, some of them started signing personal deals with the owner so that the billionaire would pay you. So, look, if you sign a, you sign a deal with an NBA team, well, you know that guy and that organization and this league have the money to pay you even if you don't pan out or something happens or you get injured or you get cut, if you sign a guaranteed deal, it's a guaranteed deal. You sign one of these collectives that doesn't have a billion dollars behind it. <laughs> Good luck. Hope, hope this thing's like signing a five-year deal with any collective is the, the collective has been around five minutes. Yeah. So there's all sorts of risk taken. So it's, it's just so much speculation. 
Now, one of the reasons I don't really concerned about these things is Jaden Rashada, as we just said, is going to go and commit to some school in the macro, whatever. It was like a wild story for a month. But if he ends up going to Arizona State and becomes their quarterback next year, we can watch Jaden Rashada play football at Arizona State. Maybe. Oh, well, maybe. I mean, he might have to sit out of here. NIL or NLI. Well, Not NIL, but been- NLI. Yeah, you would think the NCAA would let him out. Never sign that thing. That is the biggest crackerjack contract of all time. Don't ever sign an an, Don't ever sign one. I've been writing that story for 20 years. How ridiculous that That thing. I was reluctant to have my kids sign them and they're swimmers. That's right. It's like you must play for us, but we won't even guarantee you get admitted to our school. That's what that contract. It is the worst contract going. And this is why we're in this situation because the NCA for all these years did stuff like that. And you go, well, and, and someone at the NCA will text me and say, well, you know, we don't run the end, whatever. Okay. It's all college sports Inc. had this thing, this completely lopsided, ridiculous contract. Booster's not paying players. Holy cow. That's been the, that's been going on for a hundred years. Hey kid, come to our school. We'll give you $25,000 a year. They don't give them the 25. What are you going to do? We gave you 10. We now blackmail you. Mm. If this was the old school, and I won't say Florida's ever paid a recruit because we know that would never happen. But Mm. in the history of the University of Florida, Mm -hmm. let's say some nefarious outfit uh, did say, hey, we'll give you 13 million bucks. Here's 10 grand right off the bat. They own you. Jaden Rashada 10 years ago is owned. So they could blackmail and underpay you. So I don't know that any of this is worse than what it was. It's just in the open. So some kid's got to stay yeah. at the school because he's now committed an NCAA violation. His entire eligibility is done, and he's trying to make the NFL. So the old power that boosters and schools had over these kids was absolutely terrible. Now, I think so. I think at the end of the day, kid's going to play somewhere. It hurts the sport when the kid can't play. That's actually a bigger issue to me. And I right, he plays at Arizona State. I mean, it's just whatever. It sucks for Florida. But I totally get that there is a crisis of confidence amongst fans, mainly because everyone's screaming about this. No, I, my opinion is very rare. It's all going to be all right. But they're screaming and crying. And I certainly get it if I'm Billy Napier in Florida. This is totally humiliating. How are you recruiting the next year when all anyone's talking about is wait? Can I get the 13 million? Are you gonna mm. can I get 10 grand? Are you gonna pay me? What like and this is probably certainly we would not accuse Florida anyway of having anything to do with this. So this isn't even their fault. They're just sort of stuck in this thing. So I get that it sets up also. I mean, what do you do, Ross, if you're Billy Napier right now trying to recruit class of 2024? And the reason you're in the news, everybody knows the story is because you, your collective just bailed out on a on a top quarterback. Yeah, that's that's tough, right? I'm sure that there's uh, some uh, questions from, from families and from other recruits and athletes that are already on the roster. Uh, I'm sure there's some questions being posed <laughs> to, to Billy and his staff about, about this uh, ordeal. You, know, you could imagine kids on the roster saying, well, wait, He's an 18-year-old kid who hadn't played a down. Why was he presented a $13 million contract when we're getting X? And you can imagine recruits that are commits in the same class, signees in the same class, you know, asking the same. But also where I think it 
has the biggest impact is is with future classes on the recruiting trail when schools are going to use this, you know, against Florida. I mean, other schools are going to use this against Florida. See what they did. See the broken the broken promise, uh, the the termination letter of this contract. See, you can't trust them. No matter what they tell you, you can't trust them. I mean, that's that's going to be used in the recruiting trail, and that's a tough one. That that's a tough one to overcome. And you know, and for for Florida's sake, probably they're hoping right that in a lot of ways players go to that go there for other reasons, for the coaching, for the development, for uh, potential winning championships down the down the stretch, because just solely NIL, it's going to be hard for them on the recruiting trail going forward for, for sure. Well, yeah. And this does go to the, uh, you know, this, this needle threading that the NCAA, and when I say the NCAA, I mean the member schools has set up here of, well, we can't talk to our collective. So, you know, you have talked to the collect, like if, if Billy Napier, and the collective are on the same page, this probably all gets a little bit more honest and consistent and streamlined. Uh, and they get like Florida has multiple collectives, right? And supposedly there's another one that's more reliable than this one. And you know, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, that <laughs> if this were all housed under one umbrella and everybody could talk to each other and the communication and, and, factual information could go back and forth like a normal situation instead of this, well, you can have a collective to pay a players, but the coaches can't know about it and the school can't be involved. It's like, you know, <laughs> this is a classic college sports construction here. I mean, it's just, it's amazing that, that it's amazing, but not amazing because we've seen it many times. Billy Napier may not be talking to the Gator Collective. He's just flipping them off. He's just like driving <laughs> yeah. by their if they have an office or whatever, yeah, right. standing out in front box. of the guy's house, just <laughs> double burden them. In the you know, the, I can't honestly, talk the, to you. The I was going to say the multiple collectives right is a is an issue too across college sports at many at many schools. There we saw, for example, this past fall we saw Ole Miss. It had like two or three different collectives in it, partly because I think of Elaine Kiffin's kind of aggressive maneuvering. He he got them to, to uh, consolidate and, and pull into one because when you're having these fractured varying groups, it doesn't end well. And, um, you know, I, I think we're seeing that at a lot of different places. Again, this one just kind of became public, but the whole thing is, is somewhat fractured and, and, uh, that's uh, the situation that that we're in when, uh, you know, kind of rogue donors are allowed to basically fund a team is that, you know, they're, they're going to be fractured and they're not going to all agree when the university can't have oversight, although some do have oversight, but not legally. They can't be as hands on as they'd like. And, and there's there's no organization. There's no direction. I mean, like Pat just kind of mentioned, it's kind of like the overall state of college athletics in, in the NCAA right now with, with the lack of leadership and the fractured nature of the conferences. Absolutely. So when you look at this, I, I don't know how you get, it, it would, it's going to take a lot of work to get players. Uh, you have to totally change the system to where the schools are involved. Because I don't know how you get 
But even then, I don't know how you get a system where the players have to report outside income. Like, as long as it's outside, Patrick Mahomes does not have to report how much State Farm pays him to be in commercials. Patrick Mahomes doesn't know how much Aaron Rodgers makes in his State Farm commercials, right? Maybe one of them's making more than the other. That's the job of his agent to sit there and say, well, when they're negotiating that deal, how much money am I going to get for Patrick? Well, maybe I should go to Allstate. How much is Allstate, right? So you have this type of stuff where you go, well, no, why would why would that be the NFL's business? And that's kind of the idea. This is a private, Patrick Mahomes can do whatever he wants in his, uh, everyone knows how much he's making from the team, but this is an outside thing. And so it's just free market goes. Now, one of the things that hasn't happened that much, certainly in the NFL, at least not anymore, because they can make anybody a star. Then, you know, the two biggest stars may play in Kansas City and Buffalo, right? Uh, that, and, and Green Bay. Those are your probably your three biggest commercial guys are Allen, Rodgers, and Mahomes. So, but that's so it doesn't really matter, market. But what, what about like, do you think like, and I don't know who Aaron Judge has deals with, but let's say he had a state farm deal. Does State Farm sit there and say, hey, we're going to pay you just for our $2 million if you play for the Yankees, but we'll only pay you $1.5 million if you go play for the Brewers, right? And does that stuff. So there's like all these things, but that's all just free market. And colleges are are trying to figure out how to control that. And I don't know how you do it. I understand that they've controlled everything. And the sentiment inside college athletics is we control everything. We know everything. We have rules about everything. And they're thrust into this wide open, unregulated, free market world, and they don't like it. It's fine you don't like it, but what the hell is your solution? And that's why I listen to, I mean, it's all day you talk to people in college athletics and all they're talking about, I'm like, well, what's your solution? Because, you know, I don't, I just, uh, what do you want to do? This kid's a, they're, they're citizens of the United States of America. They're 18 years old. Someone wants to give them money, you know, how, how do you do this? So I, is there, have you heard anybody with a real solution here other than they got to become employees or we got to do a collective bargain with some entity? And again, they're trying to be like, you're going to get paid, but you're not an employee, right? What was that? That was last week's, right? So who's, who's, yeah. who's an employee, but not, not an employee, right? That type yeah. of stuff. So it's like. I can't even remember all these stories anymore. But that you know, like what 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 do they what do they really do? I don't mean just screaming that we should take back, we should go back because the Brett Kavanaugh is not having it. No, no, the horse is out of the barn and running across the field. It ain't coming back in. So, I mean, that's that's the bottom line. I again, I as I think it was the last pot we discussed on that. We're like you know that we we keep trying to have these half measures and 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 needle threading and find out kind of this middle path. I just, I'm not sure there is one, you know, to your point. I mean, I'm, we're not going back. And if people are this unhappy with the, the half measures, then the other way is to go full on and you have employees and you have, you know, a full on labor agreement and all that sort of thing. So I, I, I don't know if we're headed that way, but it kind of feels like we either put up with what we got now or we go that direction. Well, California thinks it has the answer. Uh, we talked about it last week with the 
the uh, new state law there that's going to be uh, requiring schools if it the state law has to pass, obviously. But if it uh, if it does pass, then school requiring schools to share revenue with with athletes, share media rights revenue. And you know, you talk to a few ads, and they won't say it publicly, but privately they'll say, "Yeah, this is what we're going to have to do eventually: is share revenue with with our athletes, especially at the high end of college sports where." You know, the money is absurd. The TV money is absurd. And it's probably going to eventually evolve into some kind of revenue share with with athletes. And then the question has to be asked, does that make them employees that, uh, you know, pay direct pay from from school? So does that make them employees, which opens up a lot more doors? So that that's sure seems like where we're heading. The, the, the quote unquote fix here is probably some kind of revenue sharing with athletes. Uh, you know, it, it, you hear NCAA officials now for three years talk about Congress and Congress got to have a bill from Congress, got to have an answer from Congress. Here's the thing. I, even if there's a congressional bill, I don't, I just don't know if the collectives and the, the boosters are going to just disappear and go away. No. I think uh, this is, <laughs> they never have. This is here to stay. Yeah. They never, they never had have, all these they never rules. Will, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Congressional bill or not, even revenue sharing or not, even collective bargaining, all this other stuff, there is going to be payment from booster donor slash third party to athletes for the rest of time. You would have to come up with a rule, a law, and then and then have a collectively bargained deal with the players that they do not control their name, image, and likeness. Again. Yeah. You right. have to go back to that. Otherwise, yeah. you can't end this. What we don't see this in pro sports. Maybe we will one day. Where local businesses, so there's a salary cap. We can only pay you uh, this amount of money. But some huge fan of the Kansas City Chiefs says, "Well, I'm going to throw in an extra two mil if you sign here." We haven't seen that. Now, maybe it happens. Maybe it doesn't. Or maybe there's just not that many people. And I don't even know if in college sports there's that many people that are willing to just say, "Hey, I'm going to." I love this team so much. I'm going to lose two million every year <laughs> yeah. on a player, or enough that it would possibly make a difference. But conceivably, you could have just a billionaire Kansas City Chief fan that signs every player in the Chiefs to a extra twenty million a year, and every free agent goes there for the league minimum, and they win every Super Bowl. Sounds we, terrible. I haven't seen that. I don't know that it would work, and I don't know this. Yeah. So I'm obviously in favor of the market playing out and letting this go. One thing about Rashada, and you brought up at the early part, Pat, it's like, I remember an assistant coach once telling me about recruits is how you come in is how you go out. And the recruit that's just a nightmare and back and forth and all this stuff, they, they probably aren't going to be that worth it in the end. They're going to be a nightmare once they get in. The kid that like takes his visits and sits down and does the stuff and says, I'm coming. That kid's committed and... Now, we've seen plenty of examples of that not being true. If you got enough talent, you can you can still make it. But it, it's a pretty interesting concept, especially in football where it's so speculative, maybe less in basketball where it's like, I don't really care how much drama this guy brings to the table. You know, Zion Williamson, he could have run me through the ringer as a recruit. And I'm, I'm, you know, every, every night, it doesn't matter, right? And I'm not saying he did, although he might have. He was worth it. 
So, but in football, it's uh, Jaden Rashada. You're like, well, if this kid, is he committed to the team? Is he committed to working? What's his focus? If all he's looking for is an extra dollar, does it matter? Is he going to transfer at first point? So, uh, and we mentioned this, uh, you know, the Michigan thing where they're just paying kids to stay, you know, transfer market, all that. Is that, a you know, is there a better thing? I want to see how this plays out before I know. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that, look, again, I, I, I'm not opposed to guys making money, but I do think you do run that risk. If, if everything you are doing with your child, your gifted athlete child is geared to how much money can you make us as soon as possible, there's a chance it's not going to go very well. Bas- college basketball, Amani Bates was supposed to be the next great everything and it has not gone very well since he stopped playing high school ball. He went to Memphis. They were very bad when he was there. He left. They got better. He was kind of all over the map where he's going to go next. He goes to Eastern Michigan. You get a kid who's supposed to be, you know, a generational talent. He goes to Eastern Michigan. They're terrible. They're 4-15. and 15. He's getting his. His numbers are, you know, he's scoring. But the team is awful. You know, I don't know the team dynamics or anything like that, but I just see that as you, to your point, Dan, the way you come in is the way you go out. Nobody's talking about Imani Bates as a first round draft pick anymore. No, if you, if you can't lead your team to victories in the Mac. Yeah. How are you doing it in the, you know, Western conference? Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and it's, I I watched Imani this year and he's, he's super talented, man. Now they played Michigan, so I'm not going to say they should have won because it was close. It was very, but it was very exciting. But that was early in the season. They lost the game, but Michigan, uh, uh, you know, Eastern was trying to cover Hunter Dickinson with like a six foot four guy, and it just that wasn't going to happen. So Michigan won. Amani was great, but I remember watching that game and leaving. It was early December and thinking, well, if if this is how Eastern plays, they're going to do really well. And yeah, a whole bunch of MAC teams are are absolutely schooling these guys. So. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting because these everyone's chatting about it, but I, I I've yet to hear. Everyone's like, Congress needs a bill. We need a bill out of Congress. I'm like, what bill? You know, like <laughs> what, what does the does, bill say? Was and then they they kind of tell me, and it's like I can I can run ring ring around that. Are you going to stop? You know, are you going to how, how do you stop these guys from cashing in? Because everybody wants the ability of everybody wants like Bryce. Like Bryce Young in the Dr. Pepper commercials, like it was hysterical. Remember, he moved in in the kid's room yeah, and like yeah, took over his mom. Funny. Like it was great. And you want that. Yeah. Like it was funny. He's a good kid. Like you want the NFL loves that Patrick Mahomes is in every commercial. Everybody knows who Patrick, you don't have to be a football fan to know who Patrick Mahomes is because damn State Farm is nonstop, wall to wall. <laughs> they make huge stars of you. So it's like, okay, this guy, and they make him funny, they make him likable, all that. All right. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Colorado. So they are in potentially on Jaden Rashada. Coach Prime did land a recruit recently. 
I think it was in the last couple of days. I don't know what the fish. It may have been since our last show. Cormani McLean, the number two or three ranked player in the country, five star defensive back from Lakeland, Florida. It was a huge battle between Miami and UF. Uh, everyone thought he was going to UF. Lakeland's kind of a Florida stronghold. I think the Pouncey brothers were both from there and a lot of other players. Miami gets them. A lot of tumult there. A lot of blowback on Florida. It's funny. Florida didn't give enough on their collective on that one. Then they came back and gave too much. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Tough to anyway, find that sweet spot. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's what I always see. It's like, oh, this place giving all money, and then they lose a recruit. You're like, what happened? Like, I thought they had all the money. Like, when the Yankees used to want the players, they got them. They didn't. Mm. <laughs> Steinbrenner was around. That guy threw money around. Anyway, he's going. It's the second straight year that Coach Prime has got the number one cornerback in America to come play for him. Makes a little bit of sense. He was arguably the greatest cornerback of all time. But next year, the Buffaloes will have Hormani McLean at one corner. If he starts as a freshman, we'll see. And Travis Hunter, the other number one guy, at the other corner. Uh, amazing, right? Incredible. Pretty I mean, good. like, <laughs> do you remember? I mean, Colorado was so bad this last year. They didn't have the number one anything in the Pac-12. I mean, <laughs> do you, now you're going to put two five-star, like, top, top of the recruiting class guys out there. And, I mean, yeah, we'll see whether they're ready right away. But, holy moly, that's a nice place to start. And some other big wins in the transfer portal for Coach Prime, who – I think it was last scene. He was in Vail over the weekend, styling up there. He had the the black uh, Colorado Letterman jacket up mm-hmm. there. I mean, he is living the life. Mm-hmm. He, I saw the pic. It was cool. Yeah, the yeah. single what greatest. He in Vail? He's going on vacation marker. already. Come on, Coach Prime. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> I thought you were coming. What are you Gotta doing? Get up there with the lady and in uh, do a little yeah, skiing and a little shopping. He had a little. Do... He had a little jewelry bag. I think with him. He was carrying. For, oh yeah. For his taking uh, care of the home his, life. All right. Yeah. Yeah, you got to do yeah, that. It's really cold thoughts. in Vail over the weekend. I hope a lot of good there. prospects in Vail. You got to get over to Vail High. Or... <laughs> That's Jeremy right. Bloom was the one yeah. and only man. Put it down as a recruiting. Who was trip. was there a good player from Vail? Jeremy Bloom. I don't know. If there was really. He was the famous oh, Jeremy skier, Bloom. You know? He's he a skier. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he played football too. He was a wide oh, receiver. Oh, that's right. He did play football. He was a wide right, receiver for Colorado. I'm sorry. Mm. Okay. Well, don't mm. even other recruit. That's lockdown. He's got bail <laughs> lockdown. Coach Prime. Don't even. Buy, I don't care if you're Nick Saban. Don't even waste your time. Uh, anyway, it, it is funny. Remember uh, uh, Dion Sanders when he, when he first was hired and uh, his first videoed you know addressed to the team was basically like we need new players and most of y'all gonna be in the portal you know and now we're seeing like he he's stocking up he is stocking up on players I think 25 or 24 transfers and you talk about these two cornerbacks you know new players he's gonna have he's gonna have a for the most part a brand new team which you've seen happen at Several universities, you know, USC is a good example this past year. I mean, not the whole team, but uh, much of who you much of who you see on the field starting it are, are new guys. And I think we're, we're, we should be ready to see that at Colorado as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see. I, it, what's funny to me is that Colorado, I don't think will be I don't think they'll be great next year. 
Uh, I mean, this is a massive rebuild, right? This was the worst Power Five team last year. Yeah, uh, they've had three coaches in four years. I mean, it's just a mess, and they threw everybody out or, or tried to. But like, imagine scheming against your USC, right? You want to throw the ball. Yeah, and again, let's see if these guys are ready. But just on talent alone, it's like we got to have a totally like they may be horrible at linebacker, but like I can't throw to the outside. <laughs> yeah, like it's just so, a weird. It's gonna be a super. Most teams have like a a baseline level of talent across the board. Maybe they got a superstar here or there. So you avoid be like both cornerbacks are going to the NFL and the middle of the defense is absolutely horrible. Like, all right, because we're running it, you know, like it's just a weird matchup, right? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, look, Colorado will be better because they can't be worse. How much better they are. How much, you know, whether they're ready to have a winning season. I don't know. That might be a lot to ask. I, there are so many people out there dying for prime to flop or to get a comeuppance there because they can say, see, I, I, I terrible hire. He wasn't ready, blah, 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 blah. So it's, I mean, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, people will be both rooting for him very much to win and rooting for him very much to lose. And it, Colorado football for the first time in three decades will be must see. And they open with TCU. So it's going to be good. Also, can yeah. we talk a real briefly on uh, about, uh, about one other hire, one a football coaching hire that was kind of, you know, like off the beaten path, so to speak, which we're seeing a lot of these now. But Ed Reed was hired at Bethune-Cookman. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of reason why is, is because of like what Dion Sanders had done at the HBCU and and all that and, and kind of this line. And apparently Ed Reed is not – the university decided not to uh, make good – as he announced, Ed Reed announced on his contract agreement. So they're not, his contract was never executed. And probably for him, the, the uh, I'm sure it was because of a video that surfaced of, of him just uh, pretty much disparaging the university and heavily criticizing it with a profanity laced video as he's driving, he's on a golf cart on this video and he's driving through campus or around campus around the football facility and it's like you know things are in disrepair and there's like trash everywhere and look I covered Jackson State in the SWAC for two years I don't know what he expected going in to some of these places but it's it's you know they're not going to be the Taj Mahal but he made this video and now all of a sudden he's not going to be the coach so sounds like quite a quite a debacle there yeah uh the don't f around and find out when it comes to Ed Reed. <laughs> Go ahead, Pat. <laughs> He's not backing down. It's Ed. You hired a man. I mean, this is who do you think you hired? Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, no, I mean, but there's. It's been interesting the dynamic of of Dion going to Jackson State and then leaving, and Ed Reed to Bethune Cookman. There's, you know, there's there's a little bit of of resentment in some corners of. You know, oh, you're 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 doing the HBCU a favor by coming in here, you know, uh, and we're going to tell you how bad it is when we get here, and then we're going to build it up. And you know, I think that, that there's a lot of pride in a lot of these HBCU universities. Not not all of it athletic related, but just the the academics and the cultural heritage and everything that goes along with it. And this feeling like some star NFL player is going to you know, be the the savior to come in and lift them up. Well, 
that that might be a bit grandiose. And so that there's been a little bit of, of resentment, I think, towards towards what that that kind of dynamic, which I don't know whether that's going to continue or not. But that was an interesting micro trend with Dion and with Ed Reed that's now over. Well, I think it shows that Dion is not easy. And and yeah, as you said, Rod, I mean, these these programs and these campuses are underfunded and under yeah. resourced vastly. And it takes a lot of work to change that. And Coach Prime worked with like Walmart and different things. And then to win that, and that's why people were saying like, well, you know, we don't know if he's ready for power five or whatever, like, cause he, like, it's hard to do what he did. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a, it's just a challenge. Eddie George is the coach at Tennessee state, yeah, which is in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And he's as big of a star there as, as anything, obviously huge, te- uh, you know, Tennessee Titan, great and a smart uh, guy used to work at Yahoo with us. Extremely yeah. charismatic, just a terrific guy. They went four and seven last year. It takes time. Ed Reed, yeah, you put him in, you know, up in Daytona Beach and uh, where, where Bethune Kickman is, and uh, and go that route. And you say, oh, he's going to get all these kids from Florida and raise all. This. It's not easy. And the school no. obviously had had not. So these challenges are enormous that they took on. And, and you know, it's not you can't just snap your fingers and do what Deion Sanders did. Well, right. And Dion raised expectations, right, for all these guys like he yeah. heightened expectations. Yeah. I mean, Dion got made it look easy. To, yeah. Dion got to Jackson State and the team room at Jackson State. I mean, I've said this, I think, on the show before, but it was, you know, metal folding chairs on a concrete slab in a in a room. Like that was it, you know, and so it, it's just an example of the issues that some of these places have. And and he poured his own money right in sponsorship deals into changing some of those things resource wise at Jackson State. But the recruits he pulled and he landed and, and got to come to, to Jackson State still just shocked me. I I, I still can't believe that some of them can, can, went there and probably says a lot about him and a lot a lot about uh what a lot of players think of him and in in in, uh you know want to play for him and we're you know we're seeing it again at at colorado which you know is in a beautiful place in boulder but in in has fine facilities but but nothing compared to probably where some of these kids are being recruited to in the sec and in big 10 and all that area so He's going to have to do some of the same things. But it is, he he raised, to get back to what we were talking about, he, he raised expectations for a lot of these guys. And I don't think anybody's going to do quite, you know, what he did. Not that quickly. No. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Eddie George is going to go into his third year. Like, I think it's just you build the way you normally build. And, yeah, you're Eddie George, and I think he's super talented. And I believe in him, but it's 9-13 and 13 after two years. Uh, does he get to a winning season next year? They're, they're playing Notre Dame. Uh, that's a big boost of money and, and, and attention this year. Can he build a winner at Tennessee State? Yeah, I have no doubt. Absolutely no doubt. But you don't just walk in, snap your fingers, and go, oh, everyone wants to come play for me. It, it, it takes a, a extraordinary talent. And that should be uh, – and, and to not deal with the frustrations that I really think – I mean, we never even got to see Ed Reed try because the frustrations were so great. So all of that. So – this weekend, I'm covering the AFC Championship game in Kansas City, and I almost had to go to Atlanta for it because the NFL was trying this neutral site championship game. 
they rewrote their rules to try to get Buffalo and Kansas City to play there. But Joe Burrow spared me from that nightmare. It's like yep. my it's like a it's like my world's colliding. <laughs> let's let's go to bowl games for pro yeah. football. Am I this whole concept? <laughs> the the Peach Bowl for the AFC football. Championship. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the funny part is, is one of the reasons is because sorry, bowl industry. I know you guys are just taking taking shrapnel and you're not even doing anything. <laughs> The NFL looks at the bowl system and goes, look at how much money these neutral site guys are making by selling sponsorships to the game and controlling the the luxury boxes and suites and the tickets and all the thing. We can centralize that and do it. So it's like, oh, my God, look how much money all these bowls are making because college football outsource it. So it's a bowl system, but it's run by the NFL to make all the money. And it's actually kind of interesting if college football playoff or whatever entity we have going forward tries to just say, okay, we're going to play neutral site games, but we're keeping the cash. And there ain't going to be some guy in whatever city we play in that's making 800 Gs and driving around in a comp car and all that. We're keeping that. But yeah, it's my total nightmare. I I think a lot of people are laughing at me at that, and I don't blame them. (laughs) Well, I I, frankly... I'm surprised the NFL didn't concoct this before. Maybe they tried and the owners are like, uh, hell no. Come on, man. Like, I mean, this, this game this weekend, the two games will be incredible. It'll be awesome. Yeah. In Philadelphia you've and covered it. I mean, you've covered championship and conference championship games. I've covered them. Ross, you may have covered them. But I mean, the atmosphere is phenomenal. And that's what we're going to get when the playoff goes on campuses in those first round games. You know, the electricity in the city and in the stadium. And to give that away or sell it would just, it would be a, a, a catastrophically bad idea from the NFL. I mean, the college game is finally starting to wean itself a little bit off of the bowl system, and the NFL wants to go that way? No, don't do it. Although Ross Please. and I were told in no uncertain terms in San Antonio at the NCAA convention that the quarterfinals ain't going to campuses. Uh, if the powers yeah. that be continue yeah. to hold sway. Yeah, certain powers that be pretty much were clear on that, that that's not happening, even though some commissioners have even publicly come out. And, and well, Craig Thompson told me, what, a few months ago, like he believes that in future gen- iterations of the playoff that there will be more on campus. But it, certainly in the next, I don't know, three to five to seven years, it, it doesn't sound like that is something that's that's going to happen. I, I guess the NFL, Dan, wants them some uh, – some red, big red blazers and orange blazers and, and the maroon blazers. They want these bowl blazers, baby. Get the bowl blazers on. We're ready to go. There have the, the, the Hall of Fame blazer is already there. You go. Yeah, That's wonderfully right. garish, yes. right? It's, yeah. But it's, it's awesome because it's the, it's the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't understand the, this but at all. They're cutting out the, the middle. I mean, just, the worst part is the college system is doubly bad because, A, you get the neutral site, which isn't nearly as great. You screw over your season ticket holders and your local communities. And all the, so all the arguments against this for the NFL are like, well, this sucks if you're a Chiefs fan, right? You, you buy season right. tickets. You don't get to you watch the uh, football is the only sport that plays in North America that that doesn't let their home fans see the championship. Yeah, right. Now, in a, you have series in baseball and hockey and, and basketball, so it might be on the road, but whatever. You share it, and you you buy a season ticket, you got a chance to see your team win championship, except in football. Now, the Super Bowl being what it is, uh, the you have to, I mean, you have to know years ahead of time. 
and it's become what it is. So they can't do anything. But to take one away. So everyone's yelling about the fans and all that. And the NFL saying, yeah, but look how much money we're going to make. The colleges don't even make the money. No, no, they don't. They got the no. crap system and they give away the money. <laughs> no, no. Right. I mean, even in this in this new model, the first round games that are at home, that money, that ticket money, that's going to CFP. That's going to be, that's going yeah. to CFP. Most of it's going to CFP. You know, these home games, like you, you think it's a windfall for these schools and stuff. Most of that money is going to CFP. Now, sure, a parking They'll get money in in the economy, the local economy, Hotels, you know, yeah. the restaurants. The obviously it'll be good for these college towns, but all the ticket and the revenue mo- money wise, that is going uh, that is going to the, to CFP to then distribute. Then it gets just gets distributed back, of course. But but that's that's going up upstairs. So I I can't understand, and I'm gonna about, about to read Pat and I's colleague Albert Brill wrote a story on this, and I can't wait to read it because I. I, I want to understand what the NFL is thinking outside of money uh, and why it would do Nothing. this because the Nothing. the home championship games are just are amazing and the tailgating and the experience. I mean, we we can't we can't go. It feels like we're going backwards going to this neutral site thing. Yeah, AF. Well, first off, it it's not imminent, and we'll see. Yeah. But when the NFL sniffs a dollar, they go after it. No, it's AFC. I feel bad uh, for them. Title. They're barely getting by. Yeah, I, I know. Mean, poor guys. They're not it's making just, anything. I know. Like, how many more people watched because it was snowing? Like, I'm watching oh, yeah. Cincinnati. It was awesome. My wife walks yeah. in and is like, oh, my God, look at that. And she sits yeah. down and watches, right? She right. didn't even know who's playing. She's like, where is, what is this? All right, Buffalo. And, you know, it's like she doesn't, it's like, yeah. It's like, it's, oh, my God, they must be cold, whatever. It's, I mean, that was an amazing scene. They played it in a snow globe. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, let's have a neutral side. But yeah, they they just they just want to have like the AFC Championship game sponsored by Verizon, or because you know, they don't want to sell the naming rights to the Super Bowl, and they can do mini. It's uh, you know, my God, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> Orange Blazers, Orange Blazers. They're like, well, uh, you know. So we'll see. We're a long way from uh, from that. All right, couple stories we got to get to. Unless you guys have any other actual football business. No, good. Mm-hmm. good we, we could good. we could revive last mm-hmm. week's Olympic sports talk. Let's, we'll, let's, uh, we'll save that. We'll, we'll save that because that takes a little while. All right. Yeah. So someone looking for money? Well, there's a man in Florida. Florida man. Could be a bowl director. We don't know. <laughs> a lot of bowls down there. No, it's Patrick Abbott. Patrick Abbott, who's 31 years old. So I actually, I got a double, you know, doubles people's court. So we'll give it to you guys. Oh. Rise, the Honorable Judge Wenzel, Judge Forty, and Judge Dellinger presiding. This is the People's Court. So this guy, Patrick Abbott, he entered a Publix, uh, the grocery store on uh, Biscayne Boulevard down in Miami, gave an employee a note. This is according to NBC2, which I think is in Florida, somewhere in Florida. And the note stated he had a gun, said, put the money in a bag. So the employee read the note and then went to pretend to help one of her coworkers get the money, and then she called for help. Abbott ended up leaving the Publix without any money and then threw the note away. Apparently, he didn't know about security cameras. Uh, However, the gun that he claimed to have in his pocket was actually a stapler. (laughs) My man tried to rob a Publix with a stapler. 
Mm-mm. Florida now, man strikes again. Florida man armed with stapler tries to take down grocery store. Uh, funny how it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Now, Shocking. the law is pretty clear on this. If you say you have a gun, it doesn't matter where you got a gun. You're yeah. doing bad. Like, yeah. As well they should. There's not a lot of wiggle room on armed robbery. If you say you're armed, same difference. Yeah. Can't rob a bank, 20 years. Okay, fine. Not it. However, ex- excluding the law, do you get a break if all you got's a stapler? Or <laughs> is the stapler really dangerous? Because you could shoot that thing and, like, you could shoot your eye out, right? What's the, the Christmas story? Was it a staple gun or a stapler? Yeah, it's a stapler. That's, yeah, that's a good question. Facts. I don't know if you, you went know? pro. Yeah, so Ross, I mean, that's, stapler. He wouldn't even be lying if it was a staple gun. Yeah, a staple gun. gun would be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah staple gun. Uh, stapler, uh, <laughs> you know, I would think that uh, that this floor, that uh, this man should... Uh, probably be punished in some way. I don't know that he should be uh, punished in the same way if he had like a Glock in the pocket or something like that. Uh, but uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to go, go a little lenient on him, but, but uh, you know, a staple gun, I would feel a little differently about. I would. I'm giving him extra time for stupidity. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you got to at least just bring a toy gun or something to the, you know, I mean, when they find out you got a stapler, you just deserve to get your ass kicked. I'm sorry. That's by the courts and by the people you're trying to rob. Both. Does this guy have other office supplies back at his house? <laughs> I mean, he's obviously on hard times. He's robbing a bank, uh, a grocery store. I think I've been to that Publix on Biscayne Boulevard. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I have. I think I have, too. Yeah. It's not the one that uh, Jameis Winston uh, got the crabs. That was up in Tallahassee. Yeah, just get, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not a bad uh, grocery store. Publix is good. I'm glad no, they Publix didn't get the great. money. Um, but, yeah, like, if you've got spare, maybe you should have a little yard sale, sell his <laughs> office supplies. It's tough out there in <laughs> corporate America. I don't know what the, the – Does he have a- – Well, right. I don't know Rickets. what the – I was trying to think of the – uh, the most dangerous office supply weapon you could have in your pocket uh, in threaten, <laughs> threaten uh, that an exacto knife. Have a gun. That, exacto, exacto knife. knife. There you go. Yeah, there you knife. go. That's it. That's probably the answer. Exacto knife. You there could you torture go. someone with a hole puncher. That would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> torture. <laughs> Highlighter. I don't know. Uh, fax machine. I, I'm just stunned I, at this whole thing. I, as quick this is as what happened when they. When your people are t- are not uh, in office, right? The, the, the workers of America now are all at home. That's right. That's right. We need to get back to the office. There's We're too many unregulated it. staplers out there. That's it. It's just that's it. No, quick aside. I had to go to uh, Office Depot on a like Sunday, not not Sunday yesterday, but the week before, so like eight days ago. And I don't know what was going on, but it was like elderly woman shopping day at Office Depot. <laughs> and and none, none, of, none of them were with each other. They were like 70, 80, or there was like four different 70 or 80-year-old women. And let's just say they were moving at a deliberate pace through things. Mm. And like you get to the checkout line and they couldn't, couldn't need the, the two that were in front of me could not work the credit card thing. And it's like one of them had a, a grocery cart, an entire grocery cart, and had a printer cartridge in it. That was it. That was <laughs> the, the, like probably didn't need a cart for that. <laughs> I walked out of there like, oh, my goodness. By the way, I the absolutely employee. love 
Office Depot. I love going to Office Depot. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. It's like my here. favorite thing to do is freaking Office I'm Depot. A nerd. I would spend days in yeah. there. <laughs> you really start thinking you need all that. It's like the hardware yeah. store. Yeah. You know, the hardware store. Yeah. Kind of like, oh, they, they have so many this. unnecessary things that you need. Oh, yeah. Hardware store. Right. Hardware store is the same thing or like uh, Home Depot. You could just spend all day yeah. in there. Yeah. It's fun. See, what an exciting podcast trio we are. We yes. like Home Depot. Wow. Staplers yes. don't rob banks. People with staplers yeah. rob banks. Just remember That's that. That's right. <laughs> All right. The other one here is uh, one of our heroes, legal heroes, uh, is, a, is is someone named uh, Spencer Sheehan, who uh, is amazing that Spencer Sheehan is not on the Supreme Court because he's really one of the great legal minds in this country, known as the vanilla vigilante for uh, his litigation <laughs> through the years. <laughs> We've we've covered his things. He's the one that sued free uh, Pop Tart for not having. Oh, this is the, that guy. Oh, yeah, not having okay. enough strawberry in the Pop Tart. Yeah, oh, you yeah you're new to the court. You're new to the court. One sued Kellogg's. He's for the Pop Tart. Strawberry Part Time Pop Tart contains just as much apple and pear as wow. strawberry. Wow. So sued uh, once sued the uh, Frito Lay company because uh, the hint of lime Tostitos. Really didn't even include enough lime juice. A lot of really important. My God, um, these cases. people have yeah. nothing else better to do in life. My Lord. Oh, they got a lot to do. They're entertaining <laughs> us. So <laughs> Spencer, <laughs> providing content. Literally, this on the Amazing. list of of heroes of the pod who've created content. We have, we have like Spencer, Coach Prime. Uh, I don't know. Will Wade. Sounds like, like a good, sounds like right, a good right. top five or top ten list, Dan. Heroes of yeah, the pod. We get to the real deep offseason. We may do our five yeah. favorites of all time. <laughs> right. The the Bud Light Bandit who stole yeah. five oh. cases of beer in one swoop. So I make a late beer. April, anyway. mid-May. Here, we'll, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, we're staring at a long offseason. Staring at a long <laughs> offseason. Anyway, this one I have a totally different view on. Uh, so they have sued. Uh, Fireball whiskey. We all know what Fireball whiskey is. Flavored whiskey. No one's ever not done it as a shot, right? There's nobody like... Nobody sits around and like sips a big big ice cube. A tumbler of... of (laughs) It's a big ice cube. I don't want to water my Fireball cinnamon down. (laughs) Fireball whiskey, very popular shot. Anyway... They have sued. Spencer has sued uh, whoever makes Fireball whiskey. It's probably in here story somewhere. Uh, Sazer, Sazerac. Sazerac. Yes, Sazerac uh, anyway. Company. Mm-hmm. Sazerac Company. So when you go to your local convenience store, I'll just read this story here uh, from uh, Emily Hill. I think this is the AP. People buying small bottles of Fireball, which a lot of people buy at the convenience store, at their local convenience store, might be surprised to learn they're not getting the same stuff as it comes from the liquor store. So if you buy a big bottle of of Fireball cinnamon whiskey, it's not the same as the little one. The the Fireball cinnamon, which is available at grocery stores, gas stations, and other places that are not permitted to sell liquor, because you can go in, you know, some states, you can only buy beer and wine. Or, or or at a at a at a convenience store is not whiskey. It fireball cinnamon whiskey is actually a malt beverage flavored to taste like whiskey. Wow. So when you buy the small 99 wow. cent bottle of fireball cinnamon whiskey, you are not getting whiskey. You are getting a malt beverage flavored to mm. uh taste like whiskey. Now, if you buy the big bottle at the liquor store, because you, you need a lot of it. You're getting the real stuff. 
the label misleads consumers into believing it is contains distilled spirits. That's according to Anna Marquez, an Illinois woman who claims she purchased the small bottles, assuming they came, they contained whiskey, uh, and is now uh, represented by our hero. So it says on the the label, which of course is tiny because it's a little bottle. Malt beverage with natural whiskey and other flavors and caramel color. The lawsuit calls this a clever turn of a phrase meant to trick consumers into thinking the drink contains whiskey and not just whiskey flavoring. So here we go. Is this a legitimate lawsuit? Pat, do the do the consumers, all of us who have purchased, uh, well, if, if you have, I won't give myself away, but maybe. Maybe <laughs> had a buck, extra buck, and bought some flavored whiskey, malt liquor, or bought some cinnamon whiskey here. Do we have? Do, do is there a case here? Yeah, there is. I mean, you got to break it to all the tailgaters and all the frat kids at all the SEC games that bring in their little nips of uh, of Fireball that Santa ain't real. They're not drinking Fireball. I mean. I also wonder if it's malt beverage, is it like lower alcohol content than it would be with whiskey? And so people are actually faking getting drunk. Uh-huh. They think they're getting drunk, but they're really not. And so they're acting like they're drunk. I think this opens up an absolute Pandora's box of um, of issues here. So I am 100% with our uh, vigil- vanilla vigilante lawyer guy here on exposing this uh, heinous misrepresentation. Throw the book at him. <laughs> Settle for a gazillion dollars. Go get them. I agree. This reminds me of, uh, didn't we have like a, was it Texas Pete barbecue sauce? or yeah. a hot sauce. It wasn't made in Texas. Yeah, it wasn't made in Texas. Made in Texas. Misrepresentation. Very misleading. Same thing here. That's right. I didn't know that. I didn't know this information. Not that, and I have definitely had my fair share of the little bottles of Fireball, and they tasted like Fireball to me. So good job in uh, making that, uh, making them, seem like uh, they're fireball but uh, the fact that they're not need to uh so it, it, it dan it's it says it on there that it's actually not but it has it the does fireball. but it's in small print yeah. on a tiny label yeah and you're drinking and fireball says, people who are drinking and buying fireball are not going to be reading <laughs> they're not the reading fireball the tiny, they're not reading the small yeah. print yeah, How many of right. us are even literate? That's right. as as that's part right. of the fireball community. Yeah, the generation uh, Z. I say, you know, I, I say that it's that. one of us. Right. Yeah. I've never once read the label of my little fireball uh, when I'm doing a shot, usually at the turn of a golf course, at the golf course. So um, do you feel defrauded? I'm sorry. You should. Uh, I am defrauded. Yeah. I am defrauded. Go ahead, Ross. What I'm sorry, Dan. You take a shot of fireball at the turn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, like, duh. Why of course, I take a shot why, at the turn. I, I, don't, I don't understand the question. <laughs> oh man! Why is there um, a sense of disbelief in your voice? Well, mm-mm. I don't always because a lot of times I don't drink during golf. But when I do, so where I play, there's actually a you go to you you pass excellent layout. You pass the the drink station three times, Ooh, including after good. the first hole. You'll, you pass it after the first hole, after the ninth hole. Do you have a cart person, too, that chases after you to get you no to buy card, more? No cart no? person. No. Okay. So, but, you know, three trips in one yeah. uh, one round, can, and you can load up. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll play golf at like 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday, and some of them, you know, 
That's like you finish and maybe there's a fireball. I don't know. Get the day going. <laughs> Gotta light that go. candle, man. Let's go. Um, anyway, I do feel defrauded. I have absolutely no idea. I'm personally insulted. I feel cheated. My relationship with the fireball uh, whiskey company is, is, is strained at this moment. Uh, I will say if you're drinking that stuff, there's really only so much expectation of quality. <laughs> well, yeah. True. I'm not going to get too heated. I wasn't actually really. The reason I never read the label, obviously, I didn't think it could possibly not fireball whiskey in there. But at the same time, it's just sort of like I, you could call it whatever the hell you want. It's, I mean, this is a terrible beverage. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they'll never yeah, be I drink it. I drink it, but it's a terrible beverage. I mean, back, what are we talking about? What is this? Point. I don't know. You can like, you can, you can also like strip the paint off of, off of a, off of a fence with it. <laughs> but like, is it? What if you think you're getting more alcohol content than you're really getting? That's well, what I want to know. Less. Uh, thank you, probably for less. Uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know how that's working. I, I'm gonna. De- we're going deep dive on this. This just came across yeah. my my. Uh, we're just I'm, starting I'm gonna, on the fireball fraud. We don't do guests, but we would have Spencer <laughs> on as a guest. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> we do not do guests on this show. But if Spencer Sheehan, the lawyer, would like to come on, uh, we will give you on a whole hour to describe these things. Okay, open yeah. invitation to Spencer Sheehan. I'm sure he listens to the pod. When he's yeah. not too busy mm-hmm. suing random companies. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. So the lawsuit, it's and it's not a class action yet, but it uh, violated, he's alleging violated consumer fraud lo- statutes in Illinois, North Dakota, Wyoming, Idaho, Alaska, Iowa, Mississippi, Arkansas, Kansas, Arizona, South Carolina, and Utah. And I'm going to tell you what, this might be the state beverage of Arkansas. I mean, that's, I'm not, you know... <laughs> There's a whole bunch of hog fans right now listening to this going, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know about Woo some pig. of these other states, but yeah, who pig. All right. Anyway, ongoing saga we'll get to. All right. This show's gone on too long. We had nothing to talk about. We're going to what we're talking about. Uh, keep listening. Subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Off season's just heating up. We'll talk to you later.